Here's a crazy thought. God knows things. He says things. He has things that he wants to communicate to you, to the church, to the, to the uh, world. He is not silent. One of the prophets, Jeremiah, says that God is not like the, the uh, idols that are carved by human hands. He is uh, not like a scarecrow standing in a cucumber garden. He is quite talkative. And, and whether you know this or not, he commun- he's the one who created communication. That was his idea. Have you ever thought that we, in some way in this modern time, have decided that God no longer communicates with human beings, that he is some distant super being out there, far, far away, and has little to do with us? He created, maybe he did that, maybe he didn't, because some people doubt that. But if he did, he's not involved now, or if he is, he's not doing the things I want him to do. Forgetting, of course, that he is not a genie in a bottle who is listening to your every whim, whimper. He is God Almighty who has called us to come into his purposes and his plans for the good that he has for us. And he knows how to communicate. Whether we know how to listen or not, he knows how to communicate. And he does it all the time. He's constantly involved in the lives of people on this planet. He has made himself known in a variety of ways. And he's given the church the Holy Spirit. And so this series that we're in is dealing with the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, specifically as it relates to the spiritual gifts. And we are in 1 Corinthians 12 looking at those gifts listed there. And we've looked at different ones going back and forth today. We're going to look at the intro to the spiritual gift of prophecy. So we'll see where, uh, where this comes from, how it fits, and, uh, and there's just more to it. So this is an intro. So we'll just begin with this. Holy Spirit given prophecy. This is from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Holy Spirit gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. And he's talking to the church in Corinth and saying here the variety of gifts that God gives to his people to build up the church that Jesus wants to establish on the earth. And this is one of those, the the communication that, that God has through prophecy. So what is prophecy? Uh, communication from God through a human intermediary. So God's going to communicate from the heavenly dimension through a human being, and and this works from for most things. He he uh, also communicated through a donkey. He's communicated through. So if you see yourself elevated to that level, then he can communicate through you. So you don't want to get the big head there. Primarily, he's working with people. He's communicating through people. That's what this gift is. So he's going to communicate through a human intermediary to other people or to uh, the church or to the big C church, the big church. He's got a message. During the uh, Hebrew times when the Israelites were 
operational and God was giving writing prophets like Isaiah and, and Jeremiah. And that during that time, he's speaking to those prophets. They write down things. He says, make notes, pass this on to the people. So he does that through them, and that was for the whole nation. So that was unique, and it, and it applies to us uh, down the road. And we have the Old Testament as a result of, of that. The New Testament gives us some further direction. He said, I'm going to, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to teach you things. He's going to tell you things that I'm passing on from heaven. So here's information for you that will be for your benefit, for the whole church, for the good of the, because the church is for the good of the world. Things are going to happen. So we're going we're gonna to take a look at this gift, but in this intro, I want you to know that there's so much going on in the heavenlies that God is at work in a bigger fashion than we typically give him credit for. Most of the things that we're interested in will usually narrow down to our whatever ups and downs are in our lives, things we hear in the news, the, the, uh, the direction we want things to go for the people around us. And we're thinking, you know, that's, that's God's greatest concern, or it should be because that's what bothers us, keeps us up at night. And he's thinking, I thought I was calling you to come with me, to follow me, to walk with me. And we're too busy thinking about our other things. We forget that. This is bigger This is cosmic. It's beyond even the universe we live in because it goes into the heavens. So I hope you're ready for this because we're going to push the envelope. Heavenly assembly in Psalm 82, verse 1, God has taken his place in the divine assembly. He judges among the gods, the Elohim. And the Elohim, that's, that's... a term for a spiritual being, and in many Christian circles, that would just that would only be applied to God the Father Himself. That would be Elohim. But the term in Scripture is not applied only to Him; it's to all the gods. He calls the Bnei Elohim, the sons of God, are also called Elohim, and there are. Uh, in the case of Samuel, when he comes back as a disembodied spirit and speaks to Saul, he is called an Elohim because he's disembodied. He's a spiritual being. So we have spiritual beings that are in the heavenlies. They were there before human beings were ever made. God was busy with a whole heavenly family of entities, and he decided he wanted more. That's where the human beings come in, and he invited us to be part of this. So we get to be part of something that was already happening, already going on out there. It creates this world and places people on it and includes us. So we get to be part of it. So in Psalm 82, God has taken his place in the, in the divine assembly. He's gotten a group of people, people, beings, together, heavenly beings, and they're gathered and these are the Elohim, the, these, uh, for, from our perspective, super beings, because they are heavenly, spiritual, they have power, intellect, they are beyond uh, our strength, they, they, they are with, and they would be considered in this world, small g gods. So that 
is the group he's with. And when he designed the world, when he created all of this, we're told in Job that the angels were singing, these divine beings are applauding, they are excited about what God is doing in this creation and all that he made and, and the beauty of all of it. So they're, they're just celebrating what he's done. And there is a, he doesn't need anyone, he doesn't need them either, but he's decided to have a council where he includes them, he partners with them, and he wants to partner with us Similarly, so there's a council, and they can discuss things, hear the plans, you know, what do you think? And he just derives uh, great joy out of including, having a larger family and including people in this council. So that's, uh, Psalm 82 has more than that. We're just looking at, at verse 1. Because we're going in the direction of prophecy. How does this work? How does, how does God put all this together what's the communication why are we involved in this so here's this big picture the heavens are out there god has a council heavenly beings he's included them then he's made human beings and so now on this world there's a whole different thing happening let's see the council of the lord jeremiah 23 verse 18 and he says here who has stood in the council of the lord that he should hear, see and hear his word. Who has given heed to his word and listened? And the issue Jeremiah is addressing here, or God is addressing here, is, is the false prophets who were running around in Jerusalem at the time, and they're giving an, a message in opposition to what God has told people. They have decided to go the way they want to go. They, they have prophesied to fit their own feelings. They have prophesied that certain things would turn out. So they say, Jerusalem, just keep doing, people, just do what you've been doing. Just enjoy what you've been enjoying because God says there will be peace. And Jeremiah is the voice going, no, God did not say that. God said you're going to be invaded, you're going to be hauled off, you're going to lose everything because you're not listening to him. You're not changing. So they beat Jeremiah up, which is the way people typically take God's truth. And they reject him. They throw him in a cistern. I mean, just a number of things. They just treat him horribly because they don't want to hear that message. They don't want to know that they should change or that they should really worship the one true God in the way that he's demanded. And they, don't want, they just don't want to hear it. So they treat him badly. Jeremiah is saying there is a council. This council of the heavenly beings also includes human beings and God will pull people together to have a conversation and in this case he's talking about the prophet and he's saying so who stood in the council who actually heard what God had to say what his plans are what's coming down the pike what we're supposed to be doing and he said listen to that guy how about listen to the guy who's listening to the Lord not the people who are listening to other people and I don't know if you've done this, but you can go on YouTube, which is just faithfully true all the time. <laughs> go to YouTube, pull up Christian prophets, and there's legit stuff happening. But pull that up and start looking at the number of prophets who copy other prophets. If something's popular and they can get a group together in a big crowd or get more donations or whatever it is that happens then all of a sudden they're all prophesying a similar thing because that message 
travels. That message flies. People love that message. But who has stood in the counsel of the Lord to hear him? What has he said? What's his plan? Where is he headed? What's the message for the people? Jeremiah is saying, that's the issue. That's the issue. Who's been in his counsel? Does he have a counsel? Yeah, we're told that. That counsel existed way before this place was ever made. And God has invited his people to be part of it, to be included in it. One day, this will be fun to know, one day you get to be part of the council. Paul says, did you know that there's coming a time when you will judge even the angels? Who does the judging? The people in the council. Why? Because they're judges. They're on the council. Who gets to do that? Those who are faithful to the Lord, who walk with him, who have been invited in to that circle. So why would we do that? Because there's some angels who have gone sideways, who haven't done their job. And God says, I'm going to use people, my, other, the other, my human part of the council, and they're going to deal with them because, you know, they affected the people. So being part of the council is something in the future. It's coming. And he's not done with us yet. He wants us to get ready. What if we just ignore him and don't listen? And what, what if we don't do what he wants us to do? Then, you know, faithfulness pay, plays a huge part in this. Listening to him, going his way, learning how to do those things prepares all of us as we walk with him. Who stood in the counsel of the Lord that he should see and hear his word, God's word, who has given heed to his word and listened, actually heard what he said and did it, listened, obeyed, followed through. The Most High and the Divine Council, Psalm 89.7, God is greatly feared in the council of the holy ones, more awe-inspiring than all who surround him. He's the Most High. There is no question. So when we talk about Elohim, and that applies to a number of different beings, uh, there's only one most high. There is no one like God who sits in this council. He's, he's just invited others to participate. Not that he needs anyone. He just chooses to do it that way. And it's, it's, it's great that he wants to do it. It's just amazing that he wants to include us. And it's amazing that he wants us to be part of his family. Greatly feared in the council of the holy ones. And the holy ones are all of those beings from Psalm 89. That's what it's referring to. Guess what you are called? It's translated saint in the New Testament. Guess what the real word is? Holy ones. Believers. Christians. Those who follow Christ. The holy ones. Same word. Huh. You can put that on your fridge. That'd be fun. Legit prophets. Jeremiah 23. Back to Jeremiah. God says, I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have announced my words to my people and would have turned them back from their evil way and from their evil deeds. But they didn't. 
They weren't in his council. They're just listening to each other or making things up, making things that, that are appealing to people because they want to please the people around them. They want to say the things that are popular with a particular religious group. So that's, those are the kind of things that, that they're saying. And, and they support whatever direction these people want to go in terms of their worship, their style of worship, their morality, the way they treat other people. And God has said, my real prophets will deal with their evil ways. But these prophets don't. They just support them and whatever they want to do. Common then and common today. And Jeremiah addressed it. It records it. And this is God who is really upset. You read chapter 23 of Jeremiah, you get that. He is not pleased with the direction these things are going. And it, it just, it's been around since the beginning of, the, of time. Human beings have gone their own way, and they didn't, just decided not to listen to what God had to say. But he's communicating his truth and what's good, what's going to be good for the people. And, and he wants to make a difference in their lives. So he's sending these messages. Here's a spiritual problem, a spiritual problem that says, I'm, not, I'm just not going to listen to this. And this is in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. So if you have a candle burning and you pour a cup of water on it, you have quenched the fire. And Smokey the Bear said you're supposed to quench your campfires before you leave. All those things are part of the quenching the fire image. Do not quench the spirit. The spirit comes as a flame. We get that in Acts chapter 2. He sits on each individual, and he is a flame. He's going to be involved in their lives. He's going to enter into their lives. That's what Jesus said. I'm sending the spirit. This is what's coming. So the Holy Spirit comes. The flame is there. And that's the imagery we have when we get to this verse that says, Do not quench the Spirit. How do we do that? Uh-oh. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Now what? Do not despise prophetic utterances. Well, I ain't listening to that. I ain't listening to what that... I don't care what that guy says or that woman. I'm, so you quench the Spirit. Just turned him off which Jeremiah is saying, don't do that. You know, get the real ones. So let's see what happens. Here's the spirit-quenching problems. You get an image up there, kind of get an idea. Pie chart, because um, I thought that would be helpful. Here we go. So if you have a spiritual life or a spiritual person that you're listening to, on teaching, writing commentaries, professors at seminaries or Bible colleges, and they're on track... One-third of the time, you got truth. And then on the other stuff that's in the Bible, they go, well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm kind of okay with that if I can define it my own way. So I'm kind of okay with that. And then on other parts, we're going, that's just flat-out false. I ain't having no prophecy. Don't need no prophecy. I got the book. I can look up definitions in Webster's, and I'm good. 
In fact, I'm not going to spend enough time defining it anyway. I'm just going to make up whatever definition I want when I read the Bible. I'll just do it in my head. And God's going, what? One-third on track. So how much, if you got one-third working for you, is going to lead you into truth? There's two-thirds missing. One-third on track. Because I'm going to despise prophetic utterances. I don't want no prophecy. I don't want to hear from individuals telling me that they've heard from God. I don't want to hear anybody telling me that they have information from on high, from the heavens. I just don't want to hear it. And when I hear somebody saying things like that, it makes me uneasy. I get angry. Because that's what the Spirit of God makes happen in your heart. When you hear the words of God speaking to you, you get angry. No. The Spirit of God says, yes and amen. So where does the other part come from? Two-thirds saying that's kind of false. I ain't having it. Don't tell me. I'm not listening to that. That's a bunch of nonsense. That's how they treated Jeremiah. So they just beat him. They rejected him. They threw him in the pit. They starved him. They tried to kill him. And yet everything he spoke to them was true. He wrote out his prophecy, handed it to the king as a warning. Because the people are going to be invaded if they don't change. They don't listen to that. The king, in all his wisdom, sitting on his throne, cuts it up into little pieces. There's a little fire sitting there. And he just throws little pieces of the scroll of Jeremiah onto the fire and burnt it up. So God said, Jeremiah, just write that out again. I don't know if you've noticed, Jeremiah is a huge book. Write it out again. How do you do that? How do you remember enough? Remember, they don't have copiers. There's no cell phone you can take a picture of this. You, you have to know these words because the Spirit of God has given those words to you. So he rewrites it. All of it. Guess what you have? The second copy. It's in your book. So God had a message. The king said no. And by the way, by 586 B.C., the Babylonians did invade. They did haul them off. They tore down the temple. They tore down Jerusalem. They hauled them away, many of them naked, as they went away with nothing. Hauled off to Babylonia. Do you think listening to God would have helped in changing their ways? Yeah. But I ain't having it. Don't tell me. If that message is different from everybody else, because that's what they all agree with, I ain't having it. So we get one-third. So we get one-third of truth. Well, I'm going to look it up in my commentary. What if that commentary's got one-third truth? I mean, we ought to listen to the one-third truth. What if I'm just operating on one-third or one-eighth? What if I'm just okay with God just, just a little bit? Kind of. I don't want much of this. Don't tell me too much. Because whatever is happening out there really doesn't affect me. I'm just worried about are all my tires aired out properly. 
That's the big thing. And God in heaven's shaking his head. I got a greater purpose. I've got a greater plan for you. It has really very little to do with what you think is important. Because I am operating from a heavenly council. And we are moving people from one place to another, accomplishing great things. And you're just sitting around playing with mud pies when there's a banquet table waiting for you. And he says, come, join me at the table. Come, listen. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Do not quench the spirit. So we turn him off in this area. How many other areas are we going to be able to hear him in? We've just turned off the spirit. The light, candles out. Light is dark. Where do we get truth if the Holy Spirit has been turned off? And we assume we're right. We assume what we read is absolutely whatever's in my head is accurate. That's a problem. Spiritual problem, again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 20. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. So here's God's plan. It includes prophecy. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. He says, here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. First are apostles. Second are prophets. Third are teachers. He has a greater list, but that, that's, this one includes prophets. So prophets are part of the church. It's part of what Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And, and he's going to build this church his way. And he's really not listening to our feelings on this or our opinions. He's, he's not taking a poll to see what we think. He's going to build his church. And prophets are part of it. And he's going to keep that going until Jesus returns. And since he's not here yet, then he's still communicating. And he's making himself known. And we have the opportunity to find out what he has in mind. Because God communicates. He knows things. He wants us to know so that we can join with him. Because he wants us to be part of his family. So, this is part of the church, pointed for the church by God, prophets. Consequences of prophecy-less Christians. Prophecy-less Christians. Disconnected from God's direct communication. God's communicating, but if we're not going to listen, for one, God may want to speak to us or through us, so that would make us that human intermediary that he would communicate through but we go nope no way no uh uh-uh no thanks i don't want that so he doesn't communicate in and through us so we miss out and there are other people around us who may benefit from whatever it is that god's communicating but we're not going to listen so they don't benefit and then we just do it on our own and then we wonder where god is and he is trying to communicate these things that are helpful and will build us up so disconnected from god's direct communication can create problems for us as individuals or
couples or families or the church or communities or whole nations. Disconnected from God's direct communication can be an issue. Theological confusion, if you only have a third truth and the rest of it's like, nah, not going to listen to what God is saying, I have to get it another way. Uh, What kind of theology do we develop after that? Because what's our source? Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to teach you. Well, we're not going to listen to him. Who else can we listen to? Any other spiritual beings out there? Yeah. They really want to help us. Theological confusion. Limited supernatural power. We're not going to listen to him, and he's giving us directions, and he wants to include us in this family, his supernatural family. Where is the power going to come from? Because we just said, nope, we quench the spirit, the light's out, the power's down. We're just doing it on our limited ability, which is where we wind up with a whole bunch of uh, definitions like we are supposed to love as Jesus loved. That's the new commandment, John 13, 34, 35. We're supposed to be loving one another that way. But Jesus loved in a way that is far beyond anything we see in, in the human level. And we can't learn that if we don't listen to the Spirit. We can't exercise it without the Spirit's power in us because our definition of love comes from our experience and what we've learned, observed in the world around us. And that limit is limited based on, you know, how loving are you if you get really hungry or you're frustrated at the end of the day and you're tired and the family that you live with, people that you love, assumably, assuming that that's true. You love the family you're with, and who, who will you yell at quickly? Who do you get short with very soon? Those people. You realize Jesus didn't get short, and he was very tired, and he took 40 days without eating, and he didn't bark at one person. How do you do that? You got to have supernatural power. What if we say, "I don't want it"? I think I, no, I want to go with my definition of love. We're back to a third, or a tenth, or a twentieth, or a hundredth. That's what we're operating on. That's sad. It's better than nothing. Certainly sad. We can do better because the Spirit wants to give us more. What if we keep cutting ourselves off from it because we have despised? prophetic utterances, and we have extinguished the Spirit. When he said, I've sent him on purpose to make this possible for you. Limited supernatural power. Increased leaning on their own understanding. So this is another consequence of prophecy-less Christians. We were told in Proverbs 3 that we are not supposed to lean on our own understanding but to trust God. And we just go flip that totally on its head and go, I'm just going to lean on my own understanding because that's what I can trust. We're told to trust God, not lean on our own understanding. So who wins? Well, in the end, God wins, but he will let us run with that. Just do it our way, how we think, how we feel. Our opinions, all our wisdom, 
until we run this thing into a brick wall. You say, I got something more for you. But that means you listen. You listen. And God is communicating. And he has something to say to you, to our world. It was also allowing the enemy access. Another consequence, allowing the enemy access. There's a vacuum, knowledge vacuum, wisdom vacuum. We create that hole, the enemy's just waiting. Evil spirits are standing around going, ah, there's, a, there's somewhere I can go. They don't care if you're in church, you're doing devotions. They don't care if you read your Bible or not. They use the Bible. They just twist it. They're just waiting for a hole. You go, well, I'm just going to lean on my own understanding. I'm not going to listen to what God's saying the way he says it, through the methods he set up. Nope, no thanks. And the enemy says, good, because I have a lot I want to pass along to you. And then people scream and yell and divide. Troubles come every turn, which is what they just smile about. And they're just waiting for that opportunity. Consequences of prophecy-less Christians. What to do about the gift of prophecy? Acknowledge the gift and appreciate that some have the gift. We're told that this is given to the church. It's appointed for the church. So prophets are going to be part of it. Prophecy is going to be part of it. Communication from God through people is going to happen. We can listen or not. That's up to us. We benefit if we listen. We lose if we don't. But acknowledge the gift. Appreciate that some have the gift. Allow the Spirit to determine who, when, and where the gift is applied. Maybe more in one era than another, in one location in the world at a particular time than another. It's his call. That's 1 Corinthians twelve eleven. The Holy Spirit makes that, that call. Appreciate that the gift may manifest in anyone in the church. Anyone in the church. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is given to the church and the church begins, that's when the official day is. It, it begins. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit shows up and we're told that, that the prophecy from Joel, Joel chapter 2, is that the people, men, women, boys, girls, everyone receives the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's coming, and they will dream dreams. They will have visions. This, this stuff is going to happen so powerfully, so strongly. It's going to change lives. It's going to enter into the people of the church and be totally different than anything that's been on the earth before. So look around. Have you seen that difference in your life? Have you seen that difference in the church because when you read through the book of Acts, you go, something's going on here. And it's because it's the Holy Spirit. That book has been called the Acts of the Apostles. In older times, it was called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because it's him breaking these things out in the, in the church, as Jesus said. This is my church. I'm going to build it. I'm going to build it my way. And I'm going to do some things among these people that is different from the world at large. It's just like he was doing with Israel. It's going to be different for Israel than the world at large, the other nations around them. I'm going to do this in the church, and then people are going to notice it, 
They're going to, because we're following him, we have this truth. There are other things that happen. We'll get to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because of prophecy that lets people know who don't know Christ at all that God is here, that God is real, that God is with us. It comes through this messaging system that God has set up. So it's a remarkable thing he's made available. Appreciate that the gift may manifest in anyone in the church. So get ready for that. And uh, let's practice not extinguishing, quenching the Spirit. Let's allow Him to do what He wants to do. He's the sovereign God. He knows. He knows what we need, when we need it. If we listen to Him, amazing things are going to unfold. And we get to experience so much more that we may know right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to know you, to experience your fullness, to know that you are working in this world, that you are working among people, that you are making a difference in lives, that you have not forgotten us, that you are not far away, that you didn't just create and then go. You are doing something now. And Lord, it is a temptation to quench the Spirit and to listen to the world, or our friends, or even our own heads. And Lord, we can get in such trouble. I pray that we would be open to your spirit, to your light, because you want to use our minds and our bodies and to make so much more of us. And so, Lord, on behalf of all of us, I invite you to come to us and to light that fire. In Jesus' name, amen.